0: No. Sorry, the tone. Definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. Oh, Star is- uh, No. Same coming. I like it. Ah. Chardin. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Goat or Go, a comprehensive and somewhat opinionated look at the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. I am, as always, your host Wendy K. Welcome back, listeners. And if you're new to this podcast, hello, music lovers. And thank you for joining me in diving into three unique albums. And today we're going to be looking at spot number 485 on the list. And that is going to be Richard and Linda Thompson's I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight from 1974, The Return of Pearl Jam's Vitology from 1994, and finally, we're diving into Loretta Lynn's all-time greatest hits from 2002. This compilation album. Let's dive right into it. Let's let's talk about what Rolling Stone had to say in 2020 about Richard and Linda Thompson's "I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight." They wrote, "With Fairport Convention, Richard Thompson was one of the first prominent 60s folk rockers to look at his native England's tradition for inspiration." After leaving Fairport, he joined with his wife, Linda Thompson, to make stellar albums in the 70s. Richard played guitar like a Sufi mystic Neil Young. Linda had the voice of a Celtic Emmylou Harris. Bright Lights is their devastating masterwork of folk rock dread. Radiohead even picked up some guitar tracks from the Cavalry Cross. This album is also listed in 2012 at number 471. Number 479 in 2003. They have another album which is called Shoot Out the Lights, which is listed at 332 in 2012 and also at 333 in 2003. So we have a repeater on this list, but we don't have that album specifically for the 2020 list. We're just going to be talking about I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight. This is my first time and my first introduction to Richard and Linda Thompson. I I am unfamiliar with their work, and so I guess my first impression of what I thought this album was going to be, I thought it was going to be a country album, because, you know, we've been building up having more and more country albums as I've been going through the list, so I was pleasantly surprised that um, I wasn't getting a country album, but I was getting an English country album because so far, like, a lot of the albums that we had been listening, that I've been listening to from England at this point, um, or from the United Kingdom, are from people who are punks, so this was a nice change of pace and a nice change of scenery. I have to say, this album was very lovely, like, this, I was listening to this album at about five o'clock in the morning (laughs) on my way to work, and it was just, a lovely album to sort of start my morning. This music, it's just gorgeous. It's just very beautiful. It feels like it might have been inspiration for people like Hozier, even though his style is more based on blues and soul music in America. You could tell that there's inspiration from across the pond that artists may have been picking up on with Celtic roots in American music. And the reverse can be the same. I would say if you're very unfamiliar with music from England and you wanted to not, you didn't want to dive into rock music, I would say that this would be a very good start into it. It's very easy listening. And like the Rolling Stone got it pretty right when it came to, when they described Linda as having the voice of a Celtic Emmy Lou Harris because there's that connection to country that's very beautiful. The title song of i want to see the bright lights tonight is definitely a highlight of the album um so i would definitely check it out i would say also for anybody who's probably only listened to fleetwood mac this would be a pretty good album to sort of dive into a little bit more the lyric that i'm most connected to during this time especially with the time that i was listening to it is i'm so tired of working every day like wow what a goddamn mood Even back in the 1970s, everyone was so goddamn tired of working every day. (laughs) I would say this album starts really nicely with When I Get to the Border, or as Richard likes to sing it, Barter. The album ends with The Great Valerio, which is... It feels like it's an adaptation of an English folk song. Not sure if it is or not, but it sounds like songs that are deeply based and and rooted in that English folk tradition do i think it's a greatest of all time i would say it's very fucking solid it's a very solid album like there isn't a song that i find that i don't think i would want to skip on this album track i think it starts really strong and it ends very nicely and i think it's a great introduction to music that i think more people should be familiar with so yeah i would say this is a greatest of all time you know it works for me the next album that i have to talk about and one that i actually have talked about is vitology by pearl jam i've already had to talk about pearl jam and vitology and for anybody familiar with my first opinion i would check out my previous episode that i covered talking about them because as i remember describing vitology perfectly well when i was placing it on the greatest of all time on my own personal list i described it as a band, and this album, as black olives on pizza. Like, I wasn't fond of the decision, but out of all the three, I thought I could understand why Vigology might have been considered an all-time. Now, having said that, since this is my second time around, I do have to say that this album has grown on me. And I also decided that I was not going to re-listen to Stupid Mop at the end because I didn't particularly want to listen to it again. <laughs> I've come to appreciate Vitology just a little bit more. And and the song Spin the Black Circle, I have come to accept it. Doesn't mean that I like it, not necessarily. But you know, it makes up the whole of the album, you know? I can accept it for what it is i will say that nothing man is still a great song and i was glad that i was able to return to that song and the song better man just hurts a lot yeah it's really sad going back to better man do people like this song is my question do people like this song or do they challenge their relationships a little bit when listening to better man comment below, let me know. (laughs) Has Pearl Jam made you realize that your relationship is failing? If so, please call this number. (laughs) Even though that this has been my second listen to Vigology, it still sort of feels like olives on pizza, but at least I know I can pick and choose what I want to listen to and, you know, I'll eat the pizza still. It still makes me question a little bit if Picking it as a greatest of all time was the correct choice. And it still makes me wonder why the album Versus was not considered a greatest of all time, even though it was sort of their breakout, their album that brought them into the mainstream. I should say that. But Ten is apparently the album that everyone knows and really likes. So whenever I get to re-listen to Pearl Jam again and when I eventually have to cover 10, maybe I'll understand why uh people are gaga over them. But for now, I accept Pearl Jam for what they are. I can understand them a little bit better than my first time around, so I didn't actually have to read the lyrics. Which also helped, because also, I was driving, so I couldn't have looked up the lyrics anyway. Don't text and drive, kids. It's very important. I just want to take a tangent for just a second and talk about my listening experience. Most of the time, I'm now doing a lot of commuting and driving and so this has been the prime time for me to sit down and really kind of take in an album. I know driving listening to an album is very different from like sitting at my computer and being able to look up the lyrics to songs. I know it's a very different experience. It's not an all encompassing like I'm I'm just contemplating everything about this album. But you know, I don't have all the time of the day just like everybody else in the world. I pick and choose my battles on when I can listen to music. And you know what? I think that commuting is a very essential part into the listening experience because a lot of people listen to music or podcasts or what have you while they're on a commute. And I think that is also a very important factor when analyzing these albums because is this good commuting music? I don't know. I feel like it says a lot if you're listening to albums, especially Suicide, as a commuting album, you know? like, what does this music stand as a purpose? Like, what sort of function does it fulfill when you're commuting versus if you're just sitting down and listening to it, and it's just, or it's just background noise at a party, or when you're talking to people, you know? Music is such an interesting way of, like, connecting people to the space and the time that they're in, and, you know, it really sets the mood on, you know, how you're supposed to feel when you're in this moment. So... Some albums are better for commuting than others, I'm going to say that. But finally, we have one more album to cover. And that is Loretta Lynn's All the Greatest Hits from 2002. So her album, The Greatest Hits of All Time, is also at number 478 in 2012. But in 2020, Rolling Stone actually picked up Cole Miner's Daughter from 1971 at spot 440. So this is an interesting change of pace, I think, because this is a compilation album, and Rolling Stone decided in 2020 that no, we're not actually just going to be a compilation album, we're going to actually look at a singular album by the artist. So that is an interesting change of pace and scenery, and it's going to be I look forward to listening to Coal Miner's Daughter because actually, Coal Miner's Daughter, the song, is included on this greatest hits of all time. So here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Loretta Lynn in 2003. Anybody who thinks a woman's singing country music is cute should listen to Fist City, where Lynn threatens to beat down a woman if she doesn't lay off her man. 70s greats like Rated X and The Pill brought feminism to the honky-tonks. I will say this. Fist City is a song that's the I'm-a-throw-hands song. Like, I would not want to piss off Loretta Lynn in any way, shape, or form, especially with the way that she describes women. She may say a lot of things about women who are cheating on their men or what have you. Like, she calls she calls women the devil, a dime a dozen, to X, woman of the world, like, all of these very interesting, not derogatory things, but very hurtful things. I'm not sure if that's a commentary on the singer herself, or if that's just a, I'm not sure if that's a stereotype of honky-tonk music as describing women that way. It also feels weird having a woman describe other women this way. Not sure. Especially Ragged X, which is about a divorcee woman finding love again. I think Loretta Lynn is favorable of a divorcee finding love, but it's so interesting. This, this song is truly is a time capsule of a different time where, or at least of a mentality that I do not understand. And I feel very thankful of not understanding where if you are divorced for whatever your reason, you know, people get divorced for a variety of different reasons and you decide that you want to find love, or find a new partner, that should be fine, but apparently in the 70s, um, that was not okay, and so, you know, being seen as used goods and other stuff, you know, all those other, you know, labels and trademarks of being, of, uh, being a used woman, even though used is such a disgusting way of describing it it just shows that there's there's progress that has been made about what a woman could or could not do with her body and the choices that she had during that time and yeah rated x is rated x ground my gears just a little bit but i mean it's supposed to it's supposed to you know Coming into this at, at a 2020 standpoint and li- and hearing the lyrics of, of uh, Rated X, is, it's supposed to grind my gears because it's a song that shows how much has progressed and what work needs to also be done. But I will say, it's a very catchy song, and I kept having the line, Woman of the World, stuck in my head for a little bit afterwards. So one thing that I kept noticing as I was going through The greatest hits album is Loretta Lynn sings about like about three different things. These are the main things that she sings about, and I'm not sure if this is stereotypical of honky tonk music. Hopefully, there will be more honky tonk country songs in the future because it's so interesting that there's songs about men staying out late, getting drunk, and not coming home to their worried partners. It's songs about a woman finding out that her partner is cheating on her with another woman, and her being angry with that other woman. And then this third other weird category that I I want to think about as it's not miscellaneous, but it is... I think I'm going to label it as real-world problems. So... The song Coal Miner's Daughter fits into this category, and the song Ones on the Way is also another one where it talks about, especially in Ones on the Way, talks about, you know, how rich city goers are, have all these problems and all this stuff, but us poor folks have real problems, and, you know, I have to deal with my husband who's out late getting drunk, I have to deal with cleaning a house that's falling apart, I have to deal with kids, one of whom is just going ape shit <laughs> and then i have a baby that's coming so like i have a lot on my plate right now and it's just building and building and building i can see that through line especially with ones on the way in some contemporary artists particularly in the album by Casey Musgrave same trailer different park when she talks in the song about merry-go-round where casey musgrave sings sings a merry-go-round about this sort of family dynamic that is cyclical and generational where you marry young, you settle down young, you have all of these problems within your community and also in your family. You don't really talk about those problems, but they keep happening over and over and over again, like a merry-go-round. So it's always interesting. There's this element of country and this element of realism that enters into their music, and it's always interesting to see and also interesting to hear this criticism of what is real, what are real problems that people are dealing with, and how are people getting by with those real problems? But for the most part, um the greatest hits albums kind of stay into the first two categories I talked about, where it's men getting drunk and staying out late, and women finding out that their partners are cheating on them, and a light bulb sorrow went off on me as I was going through this album, where I can understand why Taylor Swift sings about breakup songs so much in her career, because this is what country music is. I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here. I think it's really fucking weird having listened to this album and having this moment of realization, because it's like, you know, you had Taylor Swift who was a teenager who got into this and we gave her so much fucking flack about breakups and the criticism of maybe using men in her relationships to write songs about her relationships when you have this whole category of women finding out that their partners aren't good enough for them or finding out that their partners are cheating on them and that being a generally accepted genre within country music So it's not weird for Taylor Swift to have written about breakups as a country singer, because that dynamic is already there. And I think it's weird to have people outside of country music sort of criticize or talk about that dynamic when they don't really know the art form or don't understand the rules of a genre. But then again, as we've seen with streaming and as we've seen with the evolution of music, rules change all the time, and so what do we quantify as a country song? What do we quantify as a rap song? What do we quantify as a pop song? You know, all these different things, but I just want to say that I can somewhat understand why Taylor Swift wrote about breakups so often as a country singer, and I'm not gonna give her shit about that. You know, I'm just, I'm not gonna give her shit about that, because Loretta Lynn was talk- was singing about women being the devil, a dime a dozen, rigged ex, Woman of the World, way before Taylor Swift talked about her breakups. And we accepted Loretta Lynn's music way before we accepted Taylor Swift's music, so we can all just back the fuck up. This album also reminded me... I don't know if anyone's seen this SNL skit, and if you have... This Greatest Hits album and, uh, the subject matter of Laura Galun's songs reminded me of this SNL sketch from many years ago that has also made its way around Tumblr called Country Roses. It's not on YouTube for some goddamn reason, and it has Jennifer Aniston in it. And basically, they're making fun of country compilations and country songs, and during the sketch, there is this... <laughs> There's a running joke between Jennifer Anderson's character and Maya Rudolph's character that Maya Rudolph's character was cheating on Jennifer Anderson's character's hus- or husband or partner or whatever, and they have a duet at the end of the song that reminds me about the song The Pill, and if you haven't seen the sketch, I would look it up. It's really fucking funny. I can see where they get a lot of inspiration, especially from Loretta Lynn when it came to the dynamic of those two characters in particular. (laughs) Especially when it's, uh, I'm going to throw hands because you're cheating on my man, and also you are going to have my man's baby at some point, so let's get an abortion. I would also say that one of my favorite songs, and one of the songs that I heard before I knew who Loretta Lynn was, is the song She's Got You, which is A very sad song where it's talking about all the mementos that this person has about their relationship, you know, like a class ring or all these like things that were very significant to the relationship, but you don't have that person anymore because someone else has got him or her or them. Another song that's a really big, kind of sad. I'm finding out my man is cheating on me is the song as soon as I hang up the phone, which includes A one-sided conversation where there's a man on the phone and he's telling Loretta that he is leaving her for somebody else and it's not working out. And it's all hinging on this phone conversation that when he hangs up is the end of their relationship. And it's just a really fucking sad song. I would check it out, definitely. So in comparison to the other albums that I have talked about. I would understand why Loretta Lynn is a very influential person. Like, going through her Spotify, I can tell that she went through several phases in her career, including um getting into more gospel music? Question mark? Not sure how that worked out, but, I mean, good for her, I guess. I can understand why her music and her take in country music is so influential, because I can see it being an inspiration for Casey Musgraves, Also, Kesha, surprisingly enough, especially the song Losing Love, if you haven't heard that song before. So, like, her longevity in music and her influence in music is very big, and I'm thankful that she exists. I just kind of wish that, you know, maybe when I actually dive into Cole Miner's Daughter, the album, I will have more songs besides my man is out drinking late, and he's probably cheating on me, and... I'm gonna beat up the other woman who is cheating on my man. Because right now, like, the compilation album kind of does a disservice to Loretta Lynn if it only has those songs in those categories. If that's what her whole career was defined and placed upon, I would kind of wish there was a little bit more diversity, but, you know, in a field like country music, And especially in a genre like Honky Tonk, I'm not sure how much wiggle room she may have been able to expand and explore. Having said that, though, she did do, when I finished listening to the greatest hits of all time, Spotify had me listen to a song that she did with Jack White called Portland, Oregon, which is a rock country song, and it's great. It's a great, great song. So I know that she can collaborate with different artists that really kind of build upon that country genre and expand it in such an interesting way. Like, on this compilation album, she sings a couple of songs with this guy named Conway Twitty. I believe that's how you say the last name. If so, that's unfortunate. If not, my bad. Louisiana woman, Mississippi man. Is a duet between the two of them. And it's just really fun listening to Loretta singing with another person just to diversify her work just a little bit and also they play off of each other really well in the duet if there's more conway twiggy in the future i'm excited to hear more about him as we all know it is now time to talk about the greatest of all time and i want to say that since i'm going to have to review loretta lynn again in the future I know that I'm going to have to re-listen to I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight, but I'm really fucking looking forward to listening to I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight, and I think that for this album in particular, that is the greatest of all time. Now, where I would put I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight, I would say that they are just underneath Wilco and above Gang of Four's Entertainment. So thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, remember to follow me on social media. And if you want to contribute to my Patreon, link is, as always, in the show notes. And DJ, let's drop that track.
1: Goat or Go is a
0: podcast created and hosted by me, Wendy K. I also edit the podcast original artwork is by page a special thanks to the entire rolling stone magazine writing team without you there wouldn't be this podcast follow the podcast on social media goat or go pod if you want to support the show on patreon link is in the show notes thank you so much music lovers keep on listening and i'll see you next week